Our first scripture reading this morning is Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Our second reading is Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to seek, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The word of the Lord.
I find it notable that the people involved in the events surrounding the birth of Christ have to continually be told to not be afraid. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah, goes into the temple, into the uh, holiest room there, and an angel appears to him as he is praying and says to Zechariah, do not be afraid. Gabriel comes to Mary and tells her that she is going to give birth to the Son of God. And he says, do not be afraid. And Joseph learns that his fiancée is pregnant and knowing they have not been together. And an angel tells Joseph in a dream not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife. And shepherds in the field, upon hearing the birth of Christ, an angel tells them, do not be afraid. And after Jesus is born, certainly Mary and Joseph are fearful as King Herod goes on a killing spree of infants in Bethlehem. And Joseph brings the family back to Israel after hearing King Herod is finally dead, but Upon hearing that the new king, Herod's son, Archelaus, is just as bad as his father, it says he was afraid to go to Judea, and so he goes to Galilee. And that becomes Jesus' home, by the way, the place where Jesus is raised. In some ways, Jesus' home was found as a result of fear. What we call the Christmas story is a scary story. And I think it gives us permission to be afraid. God knows that about our existence, that we get afraid. It's also a story about world rulers who get upset and go on rampages. Common people who get caught up in the circumstances of power. It's about taxes. It's about people who have to flee their homes and become refugees. It's about senseless mass killings and deep hope for better things to come. Any of that sound familiar to you? There's a lot of fear these days. There's a lot of fear about what could happen to us. There's a lot of fear about crime. There's a lot of fear about what's going on internationally with nations. There's a lot of fear about what goes on in our nation. There's fear about the direction of our lives. There's a Fear about people who don't look like us, who don't share our values. And then there's that fear that's more personal. Fear of having to leave a home and losing independence. The fear of medical test results and treatments. The fear of not being able to pay bills, heavy financial burdens. The fear about going home, knowing that there's just going to be discord and division there. There's fear for our children. And literally, this, I'm not making this up, I'm not trying to be funny, literally in the, in the rec center that I go to this week, a sign was posted in the men's locker room telling parents to warn their children about the flushing toilets because they're loud and we don't want your children to be scared. That's what Brian was referring to. We're scared of toilets now. We're scared. When our oldest daughter was very, very young, very young. She used to come into our bedroom in the middle of the night and she would say, she would come in, she'd wake us up and, and she'd just be crying and um, 
She couldn't sleep, and she said, I'm scared, and I don't know what I'm scared about. And a lot of us could say that. We just sense there's something that is making us scared. We're not even sure what the fear is about. It's like the music in that movie that comes on and it's dissonant and it's kind of foreboding and we know, oh, something potentially bad is going to happen in the next scene, but we don't know what's coming, but we know something's coming. There's a fear that seems to be just kind of underneath the surface that is causing a lot of anxiety for people, which is why we might want courage for Christmas. The thing about courage is you can't have courage until you're afraid. You can't be courageous until you're faced with something that's scary. Courage isn't needed just for the big things in life. We need courage sometimes for some of the most ordinary, simple things that we face. Some days, just getting up and taking that next step can be an act of courage. We're fearful for what awaits us in the office. We're fearful what what's awaits us with that person. We are fearful for what might be outside the house if we go. Um, if some of you saw the recent documentary by Ken Burns on the Vietnam War, uh, maybe you saw some of the clips of a man named Tim O'Brien. Tim O'Brien's a novelist. Uh, his most acclaimed work is a book called The Things They Carried. It's a story of his experience in Vietnam, a series of short stories, very well written. And um, Tim O'Brien was drafted into the Army. He served two years in Vietnam. He was part of the 3rd Platoon Company, Company A, 5th Battalion, 46th Infant Regiment. And he saw a lot of ground warfare. And O'Brien was interviewed for the documentary, and I was struck when he was describing his experience in Vietnam of needing the courage just to walk, literally, just to walk. And he said they would go out and he would be so scared to take another step because he didn't know if he was going to be shot or if he was going to step on a landmine or what was going to happen to him. Can you imagine the fear of just taking a step? And I've stood with people who can hardly walk into that hospital room or into that funeral home or out of the house. Sometimes one step is enough for us. Psalm 27 is a psalm about courage. Fear is mentioned three times in the first three verses. But David, the king of Israel, who writes this psalm, says he will not fear. He will not be afraid because the Lord is his light. The Lord is his salvation. He says the Lord is the stronghold of his life. Strongholds were caves. They were covering shelters where people could hide in warfare or in danger. And if you know anything about David's life, he did a lot of running. He had to hide quite a bit. In Psalm 27, David says, even though an army comes against him, he says, even though war breaks out against him, he will not fear. When you're the king, those are the kinds of things you have to deal with it. Your problems might be different. Mine are. But the point of the psalm is that through all the turmoil, all the danger, all the attacks, all the the pressures of the enemies, David will still be confident. 
And his confidence is not in himself. It is not in his smarts. It is not in his own power. His confidence in the face of fear is in the Lord. Psalm 27 affirms the Lord is our light and our salvation and our stronghold and that he hears us and that he keeps us safe and that he takes us up when others forsake us and that he teaches us. Look it up. Read the psalm. It's all there. And the psalm ends with David saying this, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And the idea behind that word wait is to look in dependence or trust to the Lord. It's not a passive wait where we just sit back and we throw our arms up, say nothing I can do. Let's just see what happens. Uh, The Hebrew translation literally is look to the Lord. And as we look to him, we find strength and courage. The message version of the Bible reads, stay with God. Take heart. Don't quit. I'll say it again. Stay with God. Jesus comes to those scared disciples who are in a boat being battered by the waves. It says the wind is against them and he comes because he knows where they are and he knows what's happening. Jesus, is, he's been up on a mountain. He's alone. He's praying. Seems like he's just off doing his own thing. And then the disciples are in their bind and well, that's the way it is. But Jesus locates them and he comes to them And I think Jesus knows where we are and what we're going through much more than we imagine. But seeing a figure taking a walk on the troubled sea is a terrifying thing. And the disciples are afraid. And so Jesus immediately speaks to them saying, take courage. It is I. Do not. Don't be afraid. And that phrase, it is I. Literally, it means I am. I am is what the Lord told Moses at that burning bush when Moses said, okay, who am I going to say is sending me to lead these people, the Hebrews, out of Egypt? And God said to Moses, you tell them, I am who I am. You tell them that I am sent you. The name for God, Yahweh, it's from that Hebrew verb, I am. I am. It is unmistakably the name of God The Lord. And in Isaiah, as we've already read, as we lit the Advent candle, the Lord says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you, for I am the Lord your God. Do not fear, I am with you. And now Jesus says that to his troubled disciples. One Bible scholar translates Jesus' words to the disciples this way. It it, it can read, courage, I am, don't be afraid. In other words, Jesus says, look at me, keep focused on me, I'm the Lord, here I am, I am here with you. And that phrase for take heart or courage has the sense of, of dare, to dare to do something, to dare to act in faith, to dare to believe in the Lord, to dare to commit to Christ. That's one of the reasons I think Peter asked the Lord to ask him to step out of the boat, tell him to step out of the boat. Talk about taking a step. And isn't that the heart of the message that we celebrate at Christmas? That I am has come? That I am is with us? 
And he became flesh and we saw him in Jesus Christ. We didn't find him. He came to us. The word, the life, world-giving, world-creating power of God became flesh and lived with us. And he will come to us even amidst the waves and the wind. Psalm 27 says, the Lord is my light. In the Gospels, Jesus is the light of the world. Psalm 27 says, the Lord is my salvation. You know what the name Jesus means? The Lord is salvation. Therefore, we will not fear. There's a scene in the the voyage of the Don Treader. One of the books in the Chronicles of Narnia series that C.S. Lewis wrote. Um, And uh, it speaks of courage. The Don Treader is a ship. And it's heading into darkness. And the ship, the, the, the crew on the ship, they can hardly make out where they are headed. They just can't see anything. And they are scared and they are certain they are going into a bad place. And they are cold. And the, the crew is pulling on the oars and they are trying to reverse and go in the other direction just as fast as they can. But they, they're just making no ground and they fear they'll never get out of this darkness. And it says the young girl, Lucy, whispers, Aslan, Aslan, if you ever loved us at all, send us help now. Oh, who hasn't prayed that to the Lord? Lord, I'm in trouble. If you love me, help me and help me now. But though Lucy prayed to Aslan, the darkness didn't grow any less. And it says, though she did feel a little, a very, very little better. After all, nothing has really happened to us yet, she thought. And then suddenly one of the crew spots a tiny speck of light out in the distance. And from that light comes this larger beam of light. And it falls upon the ship lighting up the entire ship as if it's under a searchlight, but everything else around them is still dark. And Lucy sees something come out of that beam of light. First, it looks like a cross, and then it looks like an airplane, but then, no, it's getting closer, and it looks like a kite, and then she sees it has wings, and Lucy sees it is a giant albatross. And the albatross flies around the ship and circles the dawn treader three times, and then it lands on the crest on the front of the ship. And the book goes like this. It called out in a strong, sweet voice that seemed to be words, though no one understood them. But no one except Lucy knew that as it circled the mast, it had whispered to her, courage, dear heart. And the voice she felt sure, was Aslan's. And with the voice, a delicious smell breathed in her face. A lesson in our faith, in our Christian faith, that every Christian has to learn at some point is that even when we are surrounded by darkness, even when people harm us, even when the waves seem so large and the wind is beating down on us, and even when we wonder if we are on God's map, He is closer to us than we know. And in his still, small whisper, he might be saying, Courage, dear heart. And then after Lucy hears Aslan's whisper, it says, In a few moments, the darkness turned into a grayness ahead. And then almost before they dared to begin, hoping they had shot out into the sunlight and were in the warm blue world again. 
And just as there are moments when simply to lie in bed and see the daylight pouring through your window and to realize that it was only a dream, it wasn't real, is so heavenly that it was very nearly worth having the nightmare in order to have the joy of waking. So they all felt when they came out of the dark. It takes courage to trust God even when the circumstances don't change. It takes courage to wait for the Lord and look for Him and wait when everything just seems out of control. It takes courage to believe that things won't always be like this and though we may have to walk through a certain amount of darkness, the Lord is our light. One person reflecting on that story of Lucy and Aslan said, this is exactly the hope I cling to, that after all this darkness has passed me, that I will find myself in a place more beautiful and more bright than I could have ever dreamed possible. I am not there yet, but I know that day is getting closer. It takes courage to keep trusting. It takes courage to keep hoping. It takes courage to go through that surgery, that test, that procedure. It takes courage to have the commitment to change. It takes courage to make a commitment. It takes courage to be generous and to give it away. It takes courage to forgive and to let go of bitterness and resentment. It takes courage to raise kids. It takes courage to grow old. It takes courage to take on injustice, probably more so for one comment made at the family table than it is to go march in the streets in a mass demonstration. It takes courage to stand alone. It takes courage to be the kid who doesn't fit in. It takes courage to hang in there. Prayer is an act of courage. It takes courage to live by faith. It takes courage to be a Christian. It takes courage to trust that God knows why you are where you are and he knows where you are going even though you cannot see. Cardinal John Henry Newman was a poet, theologian, uh, writer, priest in the 19th century and he wrote a poem which became a hymn. It's called Lead Kindly Light. And uh, by the way, these words were found in Mother Teresa's journal after she died. And there's a, a contemporary singer named Audrey Assad who has recorded this, her own tune, and it is stunning. And you need to look it up. It's new. Audrey Assad is her name, A-S-S-A-D. Here's how the first verse goes. Lead kindly light amid the encircling gloom. Lead thou me on. The night is dark, and I am far from home. Lead thou me on. Keep thou my feet. I do not ask to see the distant scene. One step enough for me. We live in a tough world. Darkness is all around. It's okay to be scared. One step might be enough. Just enough for us. But courage, people. The Lord is our light and our salvation. And He's with us. Courage.
Let's stand together. Lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.